0: This week's podcast, be a little different. He uh, is amazing, dude. The guy rode his bike from Honduras to Colorado, so that's a whole new country, all the way up through Mexico, everything up to Colorado. Uh, First bike trip he's ever done. He just decided that that's something that he wanted to do. Uh, After that. He went on a few more bike trips, and he even decided to take a beach cruiser, like one of those Mackinac Island styled bikes. You know that uh, they just have the beach bars and a basket up front. He rode that across the entire country, east coast to west coast. So, with that being said, Ryan is one of the uh, the cooler people that I've had the experience of talking to, just because of the sheer amount of things that he's accomplished, that he's done. Uh, he has a new book coming out. And so the book is going to talk about his excursion um, from Honduras to Colorado, the first one that he's ever done. And it's also. There's my dog. Just going to the bathroom. But anyway, our talk went from how he grew up. Uh, he had an amazing family growing up, which is awesome. He decided that this is the life that he wanted to do for himself and so this is the life that he's created for himself he's now 100% full-time uh, influencer I guess you could say um, not so much an influencer as like a youtuber um, so he's got his YouTube channel that I will post the link below everybody should definitely go check it out his videos are top-notch it's not like he's just out there with an iPhone even though iPhones are amazing for video now He's doing some really high-quality stuff. Um, He has some instructionals, and he also brings a lot of himself into it. And so this is kind of just the the behind-the-scenes of his life. You get a chance to kind of see who he is as a person, uh, what makes him tick, and that should be about it. So hopefully you enjoy my new friend Ryan Van Duzer, and you check out his book, and you check out his... YouTube channel online so thanks for everything guys hope you enjoy it Finn one more time I don't know what he's sniffing but either way that's gonna be it for me today guys hope you enjoy it and uh, have fun
1: Listening to the best
0: goddamn podcast available with your host Rob Childs. Hey, there we go. Right on. Got it figured out. So, Ryan, welcome to my show, A Fighter's Story. Um, it's a pleasure to get you on and to finally meet you, man. Thank you for coming on. Hell yeah,
1: bud, I'm psyched about this.
0: Yeah, so uh I've been kind of going through some of your YouTube videos and uh it was actually one that was playing as, as you kind of popped onto the screen. And I had one of my buddies on, James, and he one day just decided to buy a sailboat and sail around the world. And yep. uh, so now we we had a nice conversation about the craziness of being alone on a boat sailing around the world. And then I run into you and you're doing the same thing. It seems like on a bike yep. and your last video, it's you and a, and a, and a dog kind of cruising around and so i just had to get you on i had to have like a little conversation to kind of see what goes through the mindset of of somebody that really wants to go out and tackle life and kind of some of the issues that you've you've come across in that so why don't we just kind of get jump right into it and get started and uh kind of take it all the way to the beginning uh where are you originally from and what was your your childhood kind of like growing up to get you into this craziness totally so
1: I am born and raised in Boulder, Colorado. It's a very outdoorsy town. Everybody here seems to be climbing mountains or kayaking rivers or they're elite athletes and triathletes. So growing up in this town, I had a lot of local inspiration. You know, a lot of young boys admire, you know, football quarterbacks and stuff. And I like John Elway, of course, but I really wanted to be like an adventurer and a runner. And so from a young age, I started running, which is weird because most kids hate running, right? But I, for some reason, loved running and I was good at it. And that was my first like taste of like, right, right on. Where can my body take me? Just my body, you know? And I love the freedom of running as a young kid. You know, when you're a kid, you have rules and you can't like leave your neighborhood, your parents, depending on how strict your parents are. But I could, you know, get past that by saying, mom, I'm going for a run, which is like a healthy thing, right? And I would just start running all around Boulder as a pretty young kid in elementary school. And I love the sense of freedom of that. And then along came my first bicycle. And then that just magnified my ability to explore because you can go a lot further on a bike, right? Long story short, now today I ride my bike all over the world. I have a YouTube channel where I document everything. I've never owned a car in my life. I finally got my driver's license at 32 only so I could do some car commercials, you know, ironically enough. And I've always just lived, you know, kind of an uncommon life. And I've, you know, paved my own way.
0: Yeah. Wait. So you, you just got your license. Yeah. That yeah, is man. insane. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, it's man. interesting.
1: Yeah. And I ride my bike everywhere I go. I go grocery shopping on my bike. I do all my errands on my bike. I've never had a car. If you put me in the seat of a car today and told me to drive across town, I'd freak out. Like, I got my license, but I'm not a good driver. I never drive. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I wanted to talk to you about your bike um, because I've, so I've watched some other people on YouTube and it seems like they're very uh, gear oriented. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all about like what they're riding, how much compression's in their front end, what their air pressure's at, you know, like getting the new frame, and it seems like everything's really centered around the bike. You had like a Trek 3000 or something. I don't remember what the model was, but I remember watching one of your videos and it had snapped down by the crank. And yeah. then you went through this whole story that that bike had been around the world and it wasn't even, no offense, but it wasn't like this amazing bike. You know, it, it was just a, a bike. Yep. How do you get through all these adventures I'm just, bike. yeah,
1: you know, I, you know, growing up in Boulder, raised by a single mom, she had four kids, we didn't have a lot of extra money. So I, you know, I didn't have money to buy expensive toys, like a lot of my friends. And so I started mowing lawns at a young age to make my own money. And I'll never forget buying my first bicycle, which happened to be a trek. And it felt so good to earn that myself, knowing that I had worked for it. Fast forward many years, I'm a Peace Corps volunteer in Honduras for two years. And I m- I met an American aid worker at a bar and I was asking him where I could buy like a good quality bike. And he's like, yeah, you're not going to be able to find a whole lot here. But I happen to have an- a Trek 8000 that I will sell you for $500. And ironically enough, that is the same model of bike that I bought when I was like 15 years old with my lawn mowing money. So it's, it's kind of a <laughs> funny story. how It all came back to me. So I bought this guy's bike, this Trek 8,000, which is just an $800 bike, like a pretty simple bicycle. Mm-hmm. And I rode that bike all over Honduras when I worked in Honduras, going to schools and working with kids. And then when I finished my service in Honduras, I decided the best way to get home would be on the seat of a bicycle. So I traded in my plane ticket that the Peace Corps was going to purchase for me to send me home. I traded that in, used the money to help buy the bike and some other gear, and I rode my bicycle from Honduras all the way back to Boulder, Colorado, about 4,000 miles. Oh, and that's yeah. what started my life of adventure and just loving the open road and meeting people and camping in beautiful locations and riding through storms and whatever else. like. It's hard. You know, don't get me wrong. These kind of adventures can be very difficult and scary, but I love the sense of freedom and adventure.
0: So up at that point, when you're in Honduras and you buy the trek, what's the longest ride that you've you been on? Is it just like <laughs> daily rides or? Yeah,
1: get, get a, good question, man. I would never done anything like this before. Yeah, i I've done daily rides. <laughs> okay. I think I had done one overnighter at one point where i rode my bike spent the night in the woods and came back home so this was entirely new to me to get on the bike and head out for four thousand miles and i was 25 years old at the time and i had you know it was just i was young and dumb or whatever you want to call it and, and excited to see the world
0: yeah no i so i've heard that expression about a million times you know and it's like get that stuff out of you while you're young and you know, all of that. And I've now that I'm in my 30s, I feel like I wish I still had that, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, there's still a lot of things that I do that like, I try to still act like a nine year old, you know, and try to go after the things that make that make me happy. But what is it that actually pushed you to to follow, you know, that what the nine year old kid and you wanted to do? Because a lot of I've people always... don't do it. A lot of people don't even pull the trigger and go to the Peace Corps.
1: You yeah, know? So, you ooh. know, I think, Fear is, is something that we all deal with fear of taking a new job or jumping into a relationship or traveling into the unknown. It's scary. You know, we're, we live these lives in the United States that are very comfortable and, you know, we can call, we can get on our phone and order food and food comes to your door in 10 minutes. Like life is very easy here. And I can see why people would think, wow, riding your bike into the middle of nowhere through Mexico seems crazy. Why would you ever do that? It's so scary. Haven't you watched the news? Mexico's dangerous. And, you know, I've just never subscribed to that point of view, luckily. I had been living in Honduras for two years. I spoke Spanish, I still speak Spanish, and I really wanted just to go explore. And so luckily fear has never prevented me from doing these types of adventures. And the more I do it, the more confidence I gain. And so I go to schools a lot and talk to kids about my adventures and show them that, you know, you don't have to do the typical nine to five job that society tells you that's that's the only way, right? There are other avenues to making a living on this planet. And it is scary. And it's, you're unsure about a lot of things and you gotta find your own health insurance, whatever, all these details. But it, when when it comes down to it, once you like take the step, Then you start gaining more confidence and you're like, okay, I can do this. And I have all the abilities to do this and I believe in myself. And then you take the next step and it might be hard or scary, but then you gain a little bit more confidence. And so you're like, okay, I can do a little bit more. And that's just how my life has always been. I just take that next step forward. Whereas a lot of people look from the outside, looking in at my life are like, you're crazy. People call me crazy all the time. I don't think I'm crazy at all. My life no. is pretty calculated and I'm, I'm careful when I'm out there on the open road, um, and I, but I do trust humans. I believe in the goodness of humans out there. There are some bad people here and there, but I believe that 99.9% of humans are good people. And I've met so many wonderful humans all over this planet who have helped me, who have brought me into their homes, who have fed me meals, who have let me camp in their backyards or, or whatever.
0: Do you feel like the international travel has been able to give you that, that, that lens to see people through? Because I know in our country, it's like more than half of the citizens don't even have a passport, you know? Yeah. And so you're going out and seeing things that most people only see through National Geographic. Yep. Do you feel like that's given you the, the ability to see life through that lens? Or have you kind of always been like that?
1: I haven't always been like that. You know, growing up in Boulder, I didn't grow up traveling. We didn't really have the money to go on family vacations. So I would watch Discovery Channel and National Geographic Mm -hmm. and dream about someday being being able to go to these far off places. And then once I got old enough and started doing it on my own, you know, I just fell in love with it. I love the feeling of exploration and meeting strangers and becoming friends with strangers and seeing beautiful landscapes and you know learning about ancient history or cultures and languages I love it it's so it just makes me feel alive there's really nothing more on this planet that makes me feel more alive than landing in some random country that I don't know and going on an adventure and figuring it all out you know it's such a it's it's a
0: rush it really is yeah well I feel like that's exactly what you're doing the the people that say you're crazy I feel like there's also a, uh, a large part in that is jealousy, you know, and yeah. wanting to do what you're doing. It's just that that initial step of fear in getting over that. It's like the Will Smith had this thing. He had a story of talking about skydiving, you know, and like you have anxiety leaving leading up to it. But as soon as you jump out of the plane, it's the best thing in the world. And you're just worried about the unknown. And yep. it seems like you've kind of tackled that and made a success out of being able to do it so I was hoping we could talk a little bit about the start of your YouTube channel and kind of how you go from riding your bike from Honduras to Colorado to now you're at like 170,000 followers on YouTube your videos are amazing they're very well edited um very well shot and it, it, stuff like that doesn't happen overnight you yeah. know you've had to have had tons of videos you put up you only got like two three views on and and slowly build up and that that's just kind of how it works so what is that process like for you to even start with documenting
1: it is a long process and even today i sometimes question myself i'm like is this sustainable how much longer can i keep doing this how much longer can i keep grinding at this and traveling and putting my body through some pretty difficult physical endeavors So long story short, I rode my bike home from Honduras. I realized that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a storyteller in some way, shape, or form. I got a degree earlier in broadcast journalism. And so I wanted to use my degree somehow, but I didn't want to like go work for the local news station and just be a reporter. I, I think local news to me is depressing. You've heard yeah. the term, if it bleeds, it leads. And it's just a lot of like sad, scary stories. And that's why I think mm-hmm. Americans are so scared of the world because that's what we see in our news every night. And strangers are bad and people are bad. And, you know, of course, there's some truth to all of that. But I wanted to create happy news, inspirational news, long form documentaries. So I get home from Honduras and I decide I want to be like a travel show host, like on Travel Channel or Discovery Channel. Like that's yeah. what I want to do. So I started a public access TV show on my local network here in Boulder, and I ran around town with my little Sony Handycam filming these everyday adventures, and I made a show called Out There, and the whole premise was to inspire people to get out there in whatever way, shape, or form. You don't have to be an elite athlete. You don't have the most, have the most expensive gear. Just get off your couch and get out there. And So that was the premise of my public access show. And then right after that, YouTube came online in about 2006. So I started doing some online video. I I was still working in the TV world a little bit. I had some success at Travel Channel. I worked for them a little bit. Um, But I realized the TV world wasn't for me, and I wanted to go full blast on YouTube. And so about in 2016, I was like, okay, I'm gonna focus on YouTube and nothing else. I'm gonna create all these videos and hopefully build a channel big enough to the point where I can make a living creating content. And like you said, like my very first videos for like the first year at least, they didn't get many views. Right. You know, I put so much time into this content, and I'd put a video out and be super excited, hit publish, and it would get like 75 views. And I'm like, oh god, like, is this ever gonna take off? <laughs> And then I'd make another video the next week, and it would get a little bit more. And then another video the next week, and that one would get a little bit more. So it's really, my channel is a, is at a pretty good size right now, but it's not because of a, a viral hit or something where like I just got flooded with subscribers. Right. My growth has been very slow. Um, but now it's at a point where it is. It's as big as I always hoped it would be. I'm making a living doing YouTube, and I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, well, I think one of the big things about your channel and not being one of those viral blow ups is you have a very slow organic growth Mm -hmm. of people that truly do follow you and they know like what you're going through and where you've been and everything. Um, So let's try to dive deeper into a little bit of that. You worked with Discovery Channel Mm -hmm. or the Travel Channel, you're saying what exactly did you do for them? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. This is way back, you know, when digital cameras
1: came out and one person can essentially create content whereas before to create tv content you needed a big cameraman, and you needed a sound guy and you needed an editor you needed all this big expensive equipment but then you know laptops got cheaper the ability to edit video on laptops uh, you know started coming around in about 2005 and you Mm -hmm. could buy an hd camera for you know a thousand dollars broadcast quality camera so at this point travel channels like sweet we can save a lot of money by hiring these one-man bands essentially and we can send them out and they can shoot and film and edit and create these stories a lot cheaper than an entire tv crew could so that's what i started doing is i i would get assignments from the travel channel to create content for TravelChannel.com, and i went all over the united states filming you know typical travel channel type content like if you're in san antonio come to this restaurant they have the best test tex-mex and while you're in San Antonio, come on over to the rodeo. So like simple stuff like that.
0: So they essentially outsourced the YouTuber. Yeah, exactly. He chose for them. Yeah. And this was like
1: before YouTube was a really big deal, but online video was, was becoming a thing. And I think a lot of businesses were like, oh, we need to have online video. This is the wave of the future. People are consuming a lot of online video now. So all of the networks, all the newspapers started creating video. And so luckily I was right at the beginning of all that. So I worked for travel channel did, you know, I did a a beer show where I went to all the coolest microbreweries in the United States. And I did a wine show going to wineries in California. So it was, it was pretty neat where I could just be like a one man band and, and create this content and and, in a way live out my dream of being a TV host.
0: That's amazing, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a cool like it's just a cool transformation of how the show's kind of like taking its place yep now you're you just posted another video i think like three days ago or something like that so what was your last trip that you you had went on yeah
1: so now i'm all youtube like i don't focus on anything else but my own channel i used to take outside jobs to fill in the holes because youtube didn't make enough money but now it does so now i just focus on my own content and whatever adventures that i personally want to go on so, so I was down in
0: with you, or it's no, all it's, it's just me.
1: Yeah, it's just wow. me, still just okay. me. So, you know, when you watch my videos, you see drone shots and you see all these other shots, it's all me doing that. Um, so I was down in Oaxaca, Mexico, which is southern Mexico. I went down there to ride with my friend John and his dog Mira, who is an amazing dog, and we did, you know, uh, a 10 day ride through the mountains down there in southern Mexico. It was beautiful. I love riding in Mexico. I love Mexico. I still speak Spanish. I love the people and the culture. So anytime I have a chance to get to Mexico, I take it. And uh, now with my YouTube channel, you know, I make enough money, I can go do whatever I want. Whereas before I wasn't making a lot of money on YouTube, I would have to pitch these ideas to potential sponsors saying, hey, I want to ride my bike across Cuba, would you be into sponsoring this? And I'll highlight your brand or whatever it is. And it was always a process to get money to go do these adventures. Mm-hmm. Now I'm at the point where I have enough monthly income from YouTube where I can go do whatever I want, which is
0: amazing and I love the freedom of it. So how do you decide where you go? Because you just <laughs> got back from Oaxaca and it, like throughout your videos, it seems like you've hit some pretty big corners, you know, like you've gotten some pretty big places. How do you decide where to go next and where are you going next?
1: You know, I just, I have a long list, you know, the world's a big place and I have a long list of places I've always wanted to visit. And sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll be talking to a friend just casually and they're like, Hey, we we should go do this. And I'll be like, okay, let's do it. So a lot of my trips are spur of the moment. You know, people always ask me, oh, it's 2023. What are you going to do this year? I'm like, I don't really know. Like I'm going to Mexico to start off the year, but after that, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So but the adventures kind of come as they come. That being said, I am planning on riding my bike the length of Sweden this summer from the Arctic Circle all the way down to southern Sweden. I was an exchange student in Sweden in 1998. So I have a special connection to Sweden. I love that country. It okay. looks like I might be able to go to Africa at some point this uh, spring and, you know, I'll fill in fill in the the blanks with a lot of other adventures and sometimes you know i listen to the audience the audience might have an audience an idea of a cool place and they'll send me an email or a comment on youtube and i'll look it up you'd be like you know that's a good idea maybe i'll go do that
0: yeah no it sounds like you've you've created this amazing life in and yeah. uh so i've i have not traveled as much as you have by far but when i do travel I feel like that's when I really get to see humanity, you know, yeah. staying in like I live in uh, Ann Arbor in Michigan right now. And so Ann Arbor is like a very closed off section of of people. And so it's like you get that type of, of personality, you know, within the cities. And so really traveling, I feel like is what's expanded my ability to communicate with people differently. Um, I guess my big question for you on on that front is, have you came across a group of people that have been the most generous or kind or, you know, like a nation that you can, that's really hit home to you?
1: You know, I love travel. I feel like travel in general has taught me more than anything in my life. And it's, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, jumping out of that fear zone and actually just doing it and, and going somewhere new. And, you know, maybe you learn a few words of the language and you connect with some locals and you eat some food and you go to a market and you're like, wow, this is amazing. There's so much more to the world than just my little home base because we can all get comfortable where we're where we're from. You know, I've lived in Boulder all my life. Luckily, I get out and travel quite a bit. Um, but travel to me has is, is always been an integral part of who I am and how I have fallen in love with humanity in general, like in just connecting with humans. Really? So I'd say my favorite country to travel, I said earlier, is Mexico. I love the people there are so generous and fun-loving and carefree. I love the music in Mexico. I love the food. I love the way of life. I love the landscapes and how warm it is. You know, I also love Nepal. I love the Himalayas. I think mm-hmm. that country is one of the most magical places I've ever been. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of places that I haven't been. But, uh, you know, it's it's rare that I go somewhere. And like, I'm not into it because there's always, there's always a hidden gem. There's always a wonderful human somewhere to connect with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is your, your, I guess, human circle, your, your social circle. Um, what is that like in Boulder? Do you have like a supportive community of people? Cause I know like you can probably throw a tweet out and get thousands of responses, but the people that know you intimately, like you're very close circle, do you, are you able to kind of keep that connection with people? I'm, I'm really
1: big on my community here in Boulder. Like I'm born and raised here. I love Boulder with all my heart. I'm involved with a lot of different nonprofits and, you know, events here in Boulder. So when I'm in town, I'm like, I love being part of town. You know, I love Mm -hmm. my friends. I love my family and I just love being part of the community here. And so, yeah, Boulder will always be, my home base i doubt i'll ever permanently move away from boulder you know on the average year i travel 150 ish days a year so i'm gone a lot but i always love coming home to boulder it really is a special place we're right next to the mountains i can go running and biking right out my door and then i can call up my friends and you know these are the friends i grew up with elementary school friends and oh, it's really cool. nice having that tight connection
0: yeah no that, those those friends are very, very rare. Yeah, only I only have one of my friends from from back then. And uh, it's a special connection for sure. Absolutely. Um, (coughs) Sorry about that. Um, I had a train of thought I had a couple questions lined up and then I coughed and it all just left my brain. I hate Um, when that
1: happens. (laughs) I know it
0: doesn't make sense. But all right, there we go. So Another section I wanted to talk about was the gear itself. So we kind of talked about your bike and then your bike exploded. Um, How do you go about getting another bike? Are you very like gear oriented? Do you do you worry about what's new and out there? You just give me the bike. It works, you know, like, yeah, like your direction on that.
1: I've never been much of a gearhead. And I think that comes from growing up in a very modest household where we didn't have the money to buy expensive fancy stuff so we used whatever we could get our hands on yeah. and you know I I'll go back to another adventure I rode I once cycled rode a three speed cruiser bike all the way across the United States <laughs> a very simple bicycle and the reason why I did that is because I wanted to show people that you don't need the latest and greatest to do something big you don't need to have the most expensive stuff
0: i and worked so on I rode job. this I worked on uh, Magno Island for one summer and that's what we had with those cruiser bikes. Yeah. And I hated driving or riding the eight miles around <laughs> the, the Island. I can't imagine driving across the country on one of those things. Yeah.
1: 3,000 miles on a cruiser bike. Um, it's definitely slower than a normal bike, but it's still, it worked, you know? And so now I work closely with a bicycle company in New York city called priority bikes. And I've actually designed my dream bike with these people during the oh, pandemic, they're like, let's make the bike you've always wanted. So right now I ride a bike that's a, uh, it's a pretty solid bike for sure. It's a $3,500 bike, which sounds like a ton of money, but really that's like lower mid range. As far uh-huh. as like expensive bikes go, bikes right. can be up to $10,000 now Oh, easily. Yeah. You know? And so I have this bike. That's my signature bike. I love it. It's low maintenance. It's strong. It's tough, but definitely it doesn't have the, the best components by any means. You know, I, I really wanted to make this bike that's solid, but I also wanted it to be affordable to a degree right. affordable, right? Um, and so that's the bike that I ride right now. And I love it, but no, as far as gear, and I'm not on all the, the latest blogs reading about the new tents and all the new stuff. Like what I have works fine. And I'm at a point now where my channel's pretty big. And sometimes companies reach out and say, hey, we'd love to give you this new bike rack or whatever. And we'd love to hear a review about it on your channel. So companies will give me stuff now, but really I don't, I'm, I don't have like the, the coolest gear by any means.
0: What about your video equipment? Because (laughs) all of your, all your videos look amazing, you know, and like they're and the editing on them is you've definitely gotten your own style of editing and that just kind of comes throughout time. Um, but everything looks amazing. What exactly are you using? I appreciate that. I put a lot of
1: work into making my videos good quality. I mean, I really do. And so the, again, the cameras that I use aren't like super expensive cameras. I have a sony a thousand dollars Sony camera called the r x one hundred, and that's the mm. camera I use for like interviews because the audio's better. I have right. a GoPro. GoPro's are five hundred bucks. It's not that expensive. And then I also have a drone, like a twelve hundred dollars drone. What so it's amazing
0: excuse me what drone are you using
1: i have the dji mavic mini 3
0: oh okay i have the the mini 2 those are amazing okay yeah so drones. the 3 yeah.
1: is just a little bit different yep but again you know i you can create really good quality content without having the best gear and another reason why i have the gear that i do is because it's small and lightweight you know, when you're traveling by bike, you don't want to be too heavy. Of course, I could have bigger, nicer cameras, but then I have to carry these bigger, nicer cameras, right? And so my my gear package is is pretty small, and I do that specifically so, you know, I have room to pack all my other food and water and tent and gear and stuff.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that and then get you out of here in just a few minutes. But (laughs) how much weight are you carrying with you on these trips? On average, I know it will fluctuate, but
1: I would say average about 70 pounds, everything together weighs probably 70 pounds. Um, But it depends. There's sometimes I do desert rides where I don't have water access for three or four days at a time. And then I'll carry eight liters of water or something. And that adds up real quick. Yeah yeah
0: with the with the water i guess juxtapose that to food how do you i guess how do you plan that out because i'm a nutritionist and um taking my boards pretty soon for dietetics right on and i've worked with some long distance runners and their diets are a lot different than like the bodybuilders or mma fighters that i work with so how do you kind of plan out your nutrition for, you know, say like one of the desert rides, you're three days without water. Yep. You're also not going to be able to have access to food. Yep. What what are you bringing with you for, for food wise, I guess?
1: So I'm famous for eating a lot of beans. So I love refried beans. So I always have like a couple cans of beans and tortillas, uh, peanut butter, Nutella. You know, I put the peanut butter Nutella on tortillas. Sometimes I put honey mm-hmm. on them. So I want foods that are nutrient dense, of course, you know, the beans have a lot of protein and carbohydrates, same with the tortillas. I carry energy bars because they're small and easy to pack and they have a lot of calories in them. When you're riding your bike all day, you're burning thousands of calories. And so you need a lot of food. And I, yeah, so I pack every corner of my bike with, with whatever I can fit in. Um. Also, a lot of energy bars and, you know, all the, you know, tortillas and bean, bean prep, you know, I would love to have more fruits and veggies, but they just get smashed and smushed on the bike. So not right. a lot of that. But when I'm on a lot of bike tours, sometimes, you know, if I have the ability to go to a restaurant, I'll go to a restaurant all the time, you know, right. and just get a nice hot
0: meal. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Last question. Then I can get you out of here. Um, how do you have a personal life? with traveling the globe eating a bunch of beans yeah i can't can't imagine nobody wants
1: to share a tent with me
0: yeah exactly so how do you kind of keep that social life and and dating and and, you know family and all that stuff is like what does that kind of look like for you that's a great
1: question and you know a lot of people don't realize the consequences of a lifestyle like mine and there are Mm. consequences like it's amazing i get to live the indiana jones lifestyle and travel and go on adventures but It's also very hard to maintain a relationship because you're not home very often. So, you know, I've had a bunch of about one year relationships with amazing women, but they don't go much further than a year because they're like, man, I sure would love to see you more. And I've kind of chosen this adventure life where I'm gone a lot. And my career depends on me being gone and creating this content. You know, I do have a very strong community in Boulder of friends. And so like on that um, side of things, like, I have very, very close lifelong friends. Um, but you know, the love part of things has been difficult. I do have a girlfriend right now, which is very exciting, and things are looking great. But uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see moving forward, like, how much longer I can do what I do. You know, and last yeah. year I was even thinking about it, I was like, how much longer do I want to keep on traveling at the rate that I'm traveling? When I was, you know, 25 years old, it was awesome to always be gone and traveling and in adventures. But now I'm 44 years old and I'm like, man, like maybe it sounds kind of nice to just to be home more often and to be able to really,
0: you know, develop some, some deep relationships. Yeah. That was, that was actually going to be my last one. Not as we keep talking. Um, do you have a plan? Like, do you have an exit strategy or, <laughs> you know, like a next chapter, or next book, you know, like what's, what's kind of on the horizon for you as as you are, you know, of-
1: Mm-hmm. This is all I've ever done really for the last 15 years. And so this is what I do as far as the future goes. I don't know. You know, I think I could do more motivational speaking where I could do one talk maybe a month and I could cut down on my travel. I did just write a book. And so maybe I can get into more of that kind of stuff where I don't have to constantly be traveling to be creating this content on my channel
0: yeah um, i but completely I'm, had forgotten about the book how did that come about yeah. i i definitely wanted to bring that up yeah how did the book come about and yeah kind of yeah so the book is that. about
1: my very first adventure from honduras to boulder and how it essentially led to a life of adventure storytelling and you know i wrote very detailed journals while while i was on this adventure way back in 2005 and i finally Put it all together during the pandemic and just released it this past December and i'm really proud of it it's what i always wanted it to be it's true to my story and my experience and i think it's should be inspirational for people who read it and who aren't even into maybe bike adventures but just to like following your dreams and doing crazy stuff and really sticking your head out there and and figuring it out and following your heart
0: yeah yeah and who knows maybe that is the next chapter is, yeah. is another book or something like that Yeah. Um, so with your book where can everybody find it at so dozerbook.com is where you can buy it
1: it's that's where it's uh it's the only place where it's available and you know i printed it here in boulder as eco-friendly as possible that was it was really important for me to do that and that's where my book can be bought yeah dozerbook.com
0: all right thank you for that and where can we find you online as we're kind of winding down and kind of be able to have everybody be able to connect with you
1: yeah so my youtube channel is where i put all my heart and my soul that's what i care most about so my youtube channel is doozer tv if you just google my name ryan van doozer then everything will come up on instagram and everything else
0: all right cool yeah all right well i really appreciate your time man it's making me want to grab my bike out of the basement and go for a ride and especially it sucks because your last video, you were riding in the snow yeah. and I've been using that as an excuse to not ride my bike. <laughs> <You> <laughs> so, do it buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to go pull it out and go for, go get a couple miles in. But, uh, yeah. no, I genuinely appreciate your time coming on. It's and, been, uh, it's been a lot of fun with
1: chatting you. with you, man. I appreciate you giving me the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, for everybody that's out there, definitely go hit Ryan up, grab his book um just hearing the stories i know it's going to be good and how your videos are i'm sure you put all that same heart and effort into your book as well so thank you for coming on i've genuinely appreciated your time and uh hopefully talk soon right on man all right take it easy